our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaSports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to talk from the inside of sports. It's time for G Cobb in the House with Gary Cobb and co-host Micah Warren. We'll talk to and about players, front office personnel, agents, and the newsmakers in and around sports. Now, here are your hosts, G Cobb and Micah Warren. What's happening, everybody? This is G Cobb in the House. I'm Micah Warren, and I am joined this week by Ron Glover and Elliot Shore Parks from GCobb.com. What's happening, guys? What's going on, Micah? How you doing? I can't complain. We got uh, a lot to get to this evening, obviously. Uh, a lot happening this week. Uh, we're going to get into Hopkins and McNabb. Just, I mean, it's such a waste of time, but it's so ridiculous. And there's a couple things I wanted to get to on that. We'll get to the Phillies. I know Ron probably is dying to get to NBA playoffs because that seems to be what he lives for. So we'll get into that stuff, too, and whatever you guys want to talk about. We'll get into that. But to start with McNabb and Hopkins, um, I was talking to somebody this week. I didn't realize this, and I don't know that anybody did. Before he made those comments, I mean, for people that don't know, he's obviously called out McNabb for the I mean, how many times has he done it? Uh, he's backing up and this and just ridiculous stuff. Did anybody else know he had a fight this week? <laughs> Before or after? I don't even know. Before I knew it was coming up. Did... I knew it was coming up, but uh didn't know it was this week. I didn't even, I watched Pacquiao uh, Saturday night fight, uh, <laughs> sort of fight Sugar Shane Mosley. Like, I like to stay, I like boxing, I like to stay, I didn't know he was fighting. And all right. of a sudden, and I found this out, um, all of a sudden he makes these comments, and what I found out was, those, first of all, what happened was, this was his press conference for the fight, I think three reporters showed up, so that irritated him. And all of a sudden he made these comments unprompted. No one asked him about McNabb. He just started going off. And what happened? Now, everybody knows you've got to fight. From a PR point of view, it's pretty smart. It's not how I would advise anyone to do public relations. It's pretty, uh, it's not exactly good relationship building. But I thought about it. I was like, oh, no wonder. All of a sudden, now everybody knows about his fight. It's all over ESPN. Everyone's talking about Bernard Hopkins. And, I mean, what do you guys think about, about what he did? I mean, that tactic is obviously pretty low. Um... But even this is comments about McNabb in general. I mean, what do you guys think about that? I mean, I think you definitely touched on it. Like, the only time I can remember ever reading about Bernard Hopkins in the last few years is when it's associated with McNabb. I mean, he could really give McNabb a cut of his paychecks he gets for these fights because it's the only time everyone ever, anyone ever talks about him. You know, he clearly does it on purpose just to get his name in the media. And like you said, it seems like every couple of months he has something to say about McNabb and you know, you stop you stop taking it seriously. It's like a personal vendetta or something, like a like a scorned girl or something coming after like an old boyfriend. It really is. Now, Ron, what do you think about this in terms of uh, you know, young, uh, let's say you know, young black kids that look up to Bernard, maybe listen to what he has to say, and they take that as 
Well, if, if I'm going to do it, I'm not black if I do something with myself. I mean, that's the sad part, really, of the whole thing. Because he comes from the section. He and I actually come from pretty much the same section in North Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I'm not in that particular area, but I'm in North, I grew up, was born and raised in North Philadelphia. And for him to come from where he came, go to jail, get a second chance to make good on that, that's that, that's a that's like a, that's that's lottery ticket, right? That's a lottery mm-hmm. ticket, and it's like for him to come in another black man like that, that's really tried to do everything the right way. I mean, forget what he's done on the football field. Other than that, McNabb's been a, a standout citizen. Mm-hmm. He's given back to the community. He's done what he could, and. You know, that's that. He's he's a stand-up guy. And then the sad part is for him to end it all by saying, well, yeah, you know, I would trust him with my kids. <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't trust Bernard Hopkins with my kids. If, you, if you're spitting venom like that at someone else, I don't want you around my kids or anyone else's kids. Because, really, you've never let go of the mentality that got you in trouble in the first place. But like, he kind of has because now he lives in I'm Delaware now in a mansion, so he, he kind of has. Right. Well, I also think, like, uh, yeah, I mean, and I think that one thing people don't talk about is there is a large portion of the community, especially in Philadelphia, and, I mean, I'm not a part of it, that to a certain degree probably agrees with what he said. And I think, like, you saw that when McNabb was a quarterback of the team. You know, a lot of people didn't identify. I mean, look how, like, a lot of the community has taken Michael Vick under their wings. You know right. what I mean? And then he talks about, you know, him and, and, and Jerry Mondesire is in on, the, in, in on this too. Uh, not in this particular instance, but the last episode where he was saying that Michael Vick is their guy. Well, who got Michael Vick here? Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, it was McNabb. He reached out yeah. to Vick. And not just that, Ron. Um, and <clears throat> he, he reached out to him, right? He was the guy that, that planted the seed to get him here. Obviously, it's not his final decision, but he planted to see you. And everyone is, you know, all the media and all the people are hyping Michael Vick. Oh, his work ethic is so great. He worked. Where do you think he learned that? He watched McNabb. Donovan for a year. McNabb. But they didn't say that about Donovan. He, you know, I, I just, just really, I really feel for Donovan. And it, it bothers me because with the T.O. situation, with the Rush Limbaugh situation, with Bernard Hopkins, this is, I believe, probably the third time now. He hasn't said a word. No. And I really feel sorry for the guy that he snaps on. Because I'm, it's <laughs> coming, dude. <laughs> it's coming. And he's like that kid that you keep picking on, keep picking on. And, you know, one day he's going to blow. And yeah. I feel sorry for the guy that catches it. No, I agree with you. And there, while uh, Hopkins clearly did this for PR, he really doesn't like Donovan. That part's not made up. He doesn't like him. And I don't know if anybody knows. Do you know? You guys know why he doesn't like him? I've heard rumors that it, it was where he really didn't. Where I guess him and Donovan were on location somewhere. Donovan wasn't that impressed by him, or whatever. Something like that. It, it, it's so trivial that it's not even worth mentioning. It's, it's more trivial than you'll even know. Uh, I'll tell you the story. I know exactly what happened. I just heard the uh, the actual story this week. 2004, Hopkins had just won a big fight. 
I'm trying to think, wasn't it the one where he got uh, golden, uh, like the top-ranked boxing or something, and he, he had it on the back of his, on, uh, like uh, written on his back during the fight for an advertisement, and he took the 100 grand beat, they gave him. He Trinidad. Okay, so this one he beat I think he beat uh, Oscar De La Hoya. Okay, because I remember he took that $100,000 they gave him an advertisement. He bet it on himself. <laughs> he bet it on himself. Right. That was the Felix Trinidad fight. Okay, because I really liked to do that. I was like, this guy's got, he was not supposed to win that fight. Mm-hmm. So for him to do that, wow. So anyway, so, um, you know, in September that year, I think it was, he had an invitation to come to the Eagles locker room, kind of, you know, meet the team and everything. And what happened was he came down, and I guess every Wednesday we know they have coaching and quarterbacks press conferences, Yeah, um, like in the middle of the day. And every Wednesday after that, Donovan goes into a quarterbacks meeting for about 15 minutes before they hit the field. I guess they do that while special teams is out there. They go out a little earlier. Mm -hmm. So Donovan went from his press conference to the quarterback meeting. He had a meeting. Mm -hmm. And Hopkins was in the locker room at that time. He's meeting everybody, and everything's great and everything. And so by the time his meeting was done, it was time to go out in the field to practice. So at that point, he kind of just had, you know, a quick, hey, how you doing? But it was a quick, you know, he had to go to practice. Right. And I don't know that it was that big of a deal until I heard that, I guess one of Bernard's boys afterward was like, oh, you got snubbed. Because, you know, you want to meet the quarterback. Especially right. in 2004, Donovan was, you know, pretty larger exactly. than life. Right. Um, so he wanted to spend time with him, and I guess one of his boys, were, they were kind of getting on about it, like, oh, he snubbed you. He then played into it. Now, yeah. that's it. That's why he hates him. I mean, and therein, therein, in one aspect lies the brilliance, and at the same time, the ignorance of Bernard Hopkins. You know, we talk about taking the 100 grand and betting it on yourself, yeah. betting against just betting on yourself. Um. This whole thing right here with promoting the fight, getting his face out there, and, you know, knocking McNabb at the same time. But it, it, in, in the same aspect, you're still falling prey to these trivial games that you still want to play. Like your buddy, like you said, your, the guy's buddy says, well, you know, all the quarterbacks snubbed you. Anyone else just, that's water off a duck's back. Uh-huh. All right, I'll catch up to him another time. But, you're still in that hood mentality where it's you feel disrespected. You feel disrespected, and that's the word that that floats around in the hood. Right. You know, oh, I've been disrespected. Yeah, I've been disrespected. That man's doing his job like you're doing yours. He can't walk in on a sparring session <laughs> and expect to shake your hand. You're trying to take the jump rope down for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's it's really it's a shame, and again, I don't know that Donovan takes too much of it. He's probably just like, yeah, whatever at this point. But I just mm-hmm. that mentality is just such a, you know, G. Cobb, you know, just ripped into him on was it Tuesday or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, last night he was getting in on him too on six ten. He was really getting in on him. I mean, that's really. I mean, it's sad because, and you know, I've been on Facebook and on Twitter, and. The brothers are ripping into Bernard. They are. I'll put it like that. Mm-hmm. They're ripping into him. And it's like, you know what? They're tired of this. You know, You know, black athletes bringing another one down. When really in reality, both of you guys are paid. There's really no reason for you to even be sniping at one another. Or one just to be sniping at one individual. I mean, 
I don't know. Maybe it's me. I just don't. No, I, I don't get Bernard on this one. They should be. Uh, I never have. And I, and I never will. And, I mean, yeah, really, I mean, you want to talk about how stupid the statements are. You can tell how stupid they are when it gets Philadelphia to defend McNabb. I mean, you want to talk to you. Exactly. Exactly. And he's not even doing anything. It's not like – and, you know, another thing I feel for McNabb on also is people say, oh, he won't let this go. He won't let that go. He gets asked about this crap. So now they'll ask him about Bernard Hopkins, and they'll keep asking him about it, and he'll respond, and he'll go, oh, you just won't let it drop. You won't stop asking him about it. The Russ right. Limbaugh thing, the getting booed on draft day, which he didn't even get booed. And then, if anyone should have been upset by that, it should have been Deuce Staley. Because they were booing it wasn't Ricky Williams. He was the one guy they had. Yeah. was 3-13, and you want another running back? You know, and, and you know what the saddest part in all of this is? McNabb's been gone over a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's been gone over a year, and you're still chirping. You're still, no one's thinking about Donovan McNabb. But here you come, back to McNabb. Yeah, and I just don't I, understand um, this one. Which I thought was funny, the person I spoke to about the wristband thing uh, you know, made the comment, like, only Donovan can go from being an Uncle Tom and then two days later he's this defiant guy that won't wear the wristband with the plays on it. Yeah, that was a, that was a weird story to come out that he wouldn't wear the wristband. I mean, what was, what was your guys' take on that? Not true. I really didn't read... I have I didn't read too much into it. I've always wondered why he didn't wear a wristband. It's a whole new I offense. Mean, why wouldn't you? Say it again. I said it's a whole new offense. Why wouldn't you? He had he was eleven years in one one guy's offense. I mean, it's a brand new offense. Why wouldn't you have the wristband? Especially if they're publicly calling you out and yanking you in two minute situations. Yeah. But I gotta give. I'm gonna give Donovan the benefit of the doubt there because there's just such a history of. I mean, they just have bungled everything in Washington, and that, and that starts with Shanahan too. He's, oh God, what what a train wreck of an organization! Can you imagine how fast this show would go every week if we just talked about the Redskins? Oh God! <laughs> but look, we gotta take a break. We're gonna get to some other stuff on the other side. This is G Cobb in the house on VoiceAmericaSports.com. We'll see you in a minute. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Fantasy sports is where the action really is. Over 40 million people play fantasy sports, but rarely do they get to quiz the experts. Fantasy Insights is the name and the game. 
Tune in every week as Dish Adams and his guests clue you in on the fantasy football game, what's happening on and off the field, and how it will affect your fantasy team. These experts aren't just beat writers assigned to fantasy football. They live and breathe the game. Tune in to Fantasy Insights with Dish Adams every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. Spin It with Chuck Foreman has a spin on so much that's going on. It will be hard to fit it all into the promo. We'll talk about the weekend games, what to look forward to, hot topics in the news. Spin It Old School, which gives a back-in-the-day approach from Chuck. A no-spin zone where Chuck gives an unbiased opinion and lets you do the same. Chuck will be taking us around town and around the world with news, happenings, and more. It's football, news, and happenings. Tune in for Spin It with Chuck Foreman. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're joined up with G. Cobb in the house, featuring Gary Cobb and co-host Michael Warren. You want to get in on the conversation? Call in now. It's toll-free. 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to GaryCobb at AOL.com. Remember, two R's and two B's in that name. Now back to G. Cobb in the house. Back here on G. Cobb in the house, I'm Michael Warren, along with Elliot Short-Parks and Ron Glover. Talking a little McNabb, Bernard Hopkins, pretty much obligatory, I guess. Uh, but let's talk a little NBA playoffs now, because I know <laughs> Ron is an NBA playoffs junkie. Um, the Lakers, <laughs> what happened to the Lakers? Ron, did you, I mean, did you, I, I was following the series. I mean, it just got, by the end of that, uh, the game four, the sweep, it was just out of hand. They didn't want any parts of being out there, and we saw Andrew Bynum, and uh, Lamar Odom show who they really are. I mean, <laughs> that was Bush League, yeah. which they did. The Lakers went out like punks. No question. And that doesn't look good for the image of the Lakers. I mean, they've always been one of the classy organizations in the NBA over the years. And to see something like that, um, I think he deserved every bit of that total of about $700,000 out of his pocket. Um, he could have seriously ended that guy. Yep. I mean, he was totally defenseless. It reminded, it reminded you of a uh, – I don't know if you guys remember. This was at 94 when Dale Hunter took out Pierre Turgeon after the Islanders just finished the series. And he just totally no. popped him by the boards. What do you do? For, uh, uh, find some stuff aside. What if he took out Berea? Well, all right, what are we going to do moving forward? We need him. Yeah, exactly. That doesn't replace the guy. Right, and I just—it was—it was such a punk move because he went out of his way to do it. And now, who—if you guys have to place blame on the Lakers, if, if any one guy that gets the most blame, who do you think gets it? I mean, I think you'd have to point fingers at Bynum just because, even though his play did step up late in the season, it's his potential—the last three years that he never reached—that really kept them from getting another superstar like Carmelo. You heard there were rumors that they could have had him for Bynum. Even a and year ago, they could have had Bosch. 
Right. I mean, even they, you know, you heard that Bosch was on the market last year, and they kept holding on to him because, you know, he's going to become the second great all great all star next to Gasol, but he really never reached that. Didn't they blame the what he he was hurt when they lost to the Celtics in the finals, right? And they kind of blamed not right. having him or a big man presence on that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, do you guys I think? Uh, I agree with Elliot. It has to be, it has to be Bynum. And I look at teams like the Spurs, the Lakers, and the Celtics, and those teams absolutely winded themselves for those top positions in their respective conferences during the season. Mm-hmm. And it's did we lose Ron? Hello. <laughs> I think Ron hit the mute button with his face because I do that all the time too. And over time with the Lakers, you saw the same thing. And I think they really gassed themselves during the regular season to hold those positions to get a good seed. And then once they got to the playoffs, they were just out of gas. Yeah. And I think you slowly see the changing of the guard in this league. And I think, like, I mean, I would never stand up and say I'm a Lakers fan. I mean, I, I appreciate Kobe Bryant's game, but I don't think anyone will argue that it's a bad thing for the NBA if the Lakers are really on their last win because all year everyone's looking forward to the Miami Laker matchup. I mean, I'm sorry, but Dallas isn't really going to do it for me. Work. No, it, it, it behooves the NBA to have strong teams in L.A., Boston, New York, Philadelphia. It just is. I mean, they're ratings hubs. Um, I don't know that the Lakers are completely toast, but, I mean, if Phil Jackson leaves, yeah. uh, you're starting to see a dismantling going on there. I mean, as long as Kobe's there, they have a chance to win. I mean, even when, when Iverson was in his, heyday, in his heyday in Philly, every game, whether no matter who was around him, every game they had a chance to win. Not necessarily going to win a championship, but they'll be in every game as long as they still have Kobe. But, man, they're getting, they're getting a little old out there. You know, Derek Fisher, is he done? Uh, I think Fisher was done, was done a couple of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he Fisher's just hanging around. And then, I mean, you know, around. talk about mistakes. What really hurt them, too, was they're banking on Steve Blake and then letting go yeah. of Jordan Farmar. Steve Blake was a real disappointment for them this year. Yeah, and, and they I are. would have to say the same for Matt Barnes. Yeah, exactly. I would they have to say the same for Matt Barnes. You want to point to someone else who hasn't lived up to their potential. Other than that one shot he hit last year in the finals, our test has been almost a complete bust there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's kind of a different animal, though. I mean, I'm not sure. He's probably more important just for presence and defense and rebounding than maybe right. intimidation. I don't know what Ron Artest's deal is. But I've never really, I haven't really seen that this year. Yeah. Huh? You've never, never heard actually... any games where Artest is done something great on the defensive end. You know, I mean, maybe yeah, you down 10 to 12 rebounds, you know, three or four steals. You haven't heard those type of games coming out of our chest. It's always been it's been minimal. And I mean, also, I mean, you know, his bread and butter is on defense and what they give up in that final game, 122 points, 23-pointers. It wasn't exactly like he was there shutting them down. No, but, Ellie, that was an, that was an all-out, full-on team embarrassment. I yeah, mean, they, why, yeah. they quit. Yeah. I mean, that was... Nobody wanted to be out. I mean, that, that was just, it, it was it had to be embarrassing for, was it Jerry Buss, the owner? Yes. Um, that's not the Laker basketball that 
people have come to be associated with. But then again, I look and say, yeah, well, you also have a ton of championships, so who cares? <laughs> One year, someone else wins it. But moving forward, what do you guys think and who you like? Uh, can Dallas finally toughen up when it counts? Um, what are you thinking so far as we head to the conference finals? I mean, uh, I think personally it's going to be hard for anyone to beat the combination of LeBron and Wade four times in seven games the way they're playing. I, I just don't see it. I don't know. I don't know about you, Ron. What do you think? I saw something on Tuesday night. I've never seen LeBron. And I think he hit the mute button again. You know, uh, I mean, it, it was like an explosion. Yeah, It was like an explosion on Tuesday night. Those last ten points were, they were huge. I, I mean, I, I say career all the time. Yeah, I was it, just it was about to, to say that. Go ahead, continue. I mean, it's just I can't explain it. I can't explain it, but it looked it, it took him, it took LeBron James to another place. Those ten points and the way that they came, you had two right. three pointers, you had a dunk, and another bucket, and it just you could just see the weight being lifted off of him from last year, the disappointment from last year, everything that went down with the decision. The rumors that were circulating about his personal life, and just you know, he just lifted himself to another place. Now, as far as facing the Bulls, I think if anyone can take Miami out, Chicago can do it. Their bench is deeper. Yeah, they defend better, and you've got two guys down there, Boozer and Noah, that are going to cause problems. Maybe not necessarily for James. But for Anthony and Bosch, they can cause problems. I think Anthony can match Noah's energy. And the real the real question with that is which Carlos Boozer is going to show up. Yeah. Because he's been pretty much a disappointment this year. I mean, I, I granted he was injured, but when he's been out there, he's not the same guy that he was in Utah. I'll ask you this, Ron. Who do you, who do you put on – uh, Rose, maybe your Chalmers. I don't know. I don't think so. Um, you got to throw away that. Put on them. At, at some point, they'll probably start out with Bibby and Chalmers just to fill it out. But and then it comes the down quarter to it, of the first game, it'll be Wade on Rose. <laughs> yeah, I mean Bibby. You talk about someone has lost three or four steps. I've seen that happen. So it'll be, but the, primarily it'll be Wade when it comes time to lock things down. It'll be weighed on uh, Derrick Rose. And it's kind of an unfair question to even ask because, I mean, who in the NBA has guarded him this year? He's he's insane. Yeah. I mean, he, he's really that good. He's one of those guys that, you know, we probably don't have an answer for him. And you're just going to hope that they don't have an answer for some of our guys at the other end because Rose is going to get right. his. Right. But um, I agree with, with what you guys are saying about the Heat, though. You watched him against the Sixers, and it was almost like they knew how good they were. We'll worry about it when the time comes. You know, the Sixers were ahead of them for like three quarters every game except for game two. And it was like, don't worry, we'll get it. When the time comes, we'll worry about it. And they did, and they won. But I kept thinking, if you keep playing like that, that's not going to work against the heavy hitters. And they really have seemed to to wake up. And I agree with you, Ron, watching the end of that. All I could think of was all the people, because I'm not a huge NBA fan, to be honest. I watch it and I keep up with it, but I'm not a junkie Mm -hmm. like some people. I hear all the people that I don't hate LeBron like everybody else. 
and they all everyone says, oh, he can't do it at the end of games. I watched that thinking, man, it looks like he's kind of doing it at the end of a game. And he <laughs> came at the right time. And it, it, when you look at the Sixers series and you look at the Celtics series, okay, maybe pace themselves against the Sixers, play with fire a little bit. They were saving themselves for Boston. Everything that they held back, they were wait, they were holding for Boston, and, and that's just how I feel. Now you have to turn it up again for the Bulls. You still got to win eight more games. You're halfway home. These are your toughest eight games. Yeah, the competition's getting a little stiffer right now. Exactly. Uh, but they got the they got the guns to do it though. They really do. Now, Elliot, what do you think about what Boston did this year? You relied on a 39 year old Shaq to be healthy. We know how that turned out. Your strength was really that you had too many big men to match up with. Why did you trade Kendrick Perkins? Right. I mean, I think like you talk about a team like Boston that's old, and what really carried them over most of this year and a lot of the last two years is confidence and like the, the them thinking that they're the big three and no matter the age they can still do it. And for as mentally tough as that team is, as soon as their bubble got popped and Perkins was gone, it was a wrap. Like, you could just mm-hmm. see it in them. They didn't believe in themselves anymore. I mean, how else does a team like that go out in five games in the manner they did? Not to score a point in the last, what, two and a half minutes or something like that? Four and a half minutes. Yeah, exactly. And I think mm-hmm. to touch on what Ron just said, I totally agree that you want to talk about the best roster in the NBA. That could be the Bulls. But I think anyone that's watching NBA over the last year has to agree that superstars win in this league. And mm-hmm. in that Miami has the two, probably other than Derrick Rose, but really I would say more than Derrick Rose, the two biggest superstars in the league right now. And I just think that's going to be the difference maker at the end of the day. Hmm. Wasn't Durant? I, I would say so. I mean, I don't know if you guys want to touch on that. Durant has a whole thing going on right now at Westbrook where they can't decide who's going to take the, you know, take the shot. But it seems like Miami has that figured out. I'm just playing devil's advocate. I'm a huge Durant fan, but uh... – he doesn't have the resume that these other guys have. But, look, that's NBA stuff. We're going to get to some baseball on the other side. we got to take a break. This is G Cobb in the house on VoiceAmericaSports.com. Your internet flagship station for sports... America Sports. Listen to Sports Talk at the Positive Pub every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Gil Tyree talks to sports newsmakers, playmakers, and story breakers. You, the hardcore, interactive, and novice fan, can join the show via your phone calls and emails. Sample what's good, right, and positive about the world of sports every week. Begin your week in a positive way with Sports Talk from the Positive Pub. Be here every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you ready for an old school in your face discussion of professional college and high school football? Tune in for talk on a variety of football-related topics on the program From Under the Helmet with Derek Kennard. You will hear the week's headlines and straight talk from the hosts and weekly guests that are personal and provocative. From Under the Helmet is broadcast every Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports you're joined up with g cobb in the house featuring gary cobb and co-host michael warren you want to get in on the conversation call in now it's toll free 1-888-346-9144 that's 1-888-346-9144 or send an email to gary cobb at aol.com remember two r's and two b's in that name now back to g cobb in the house all right, back here on the G-Cop in the house. I'm Michael Warren, along with Elliot Shore Parks and Ron Glover from the G-Cop.com crew. Um, let me get a little baseball, because as we were talking during the break, and I was looking through the standings, and it's almost, if, if you could physically flip-flop the standings of what everyone thought, that's kind of what it is in a lot of these divisions. I mean, the AL Central, <laughs> I, I think all the uh, the preseason pundits had this, right? Cleveland in first. And then Kansas City in second with Minnesota in the basement. Yeah, it's ridiculous right now. Minnesota is 23. Now, again, and we, we've talked about this during the break. I mean, the baseball standings this time of year are pretty much, they're starting to become a little more relevant. I mean, you don't want to dig yourself too big of a hole. Uh, I have a tough time believing Minnesota is going to be that bad all year. I mean, Tampa Bay is leading the AL East. they got a game lead on the Yankees, and then, then it's Baltimore, and then the Red Sox. Again, I don't think that's oh. going to happen, but I don't think it's going to stay that way. And, of course, the NL East, the Phillies are, you, you know, Elliot, you made a good point during the break. The Phillies, are, they, they, they're probably a cut above everybody else. Um, but they've done it without some pretty key pieces. They're getting Roy Oswald off the deal. He's supposed to throw a bullpen session on Sunday and then make his schedule start Tuesday. If he doesn't, it's Kyle Kendrick, and I'm going to shoot myself. Although that, that's not fair. He was actually pretty good in the last outing. Um but they've done it without a three-hole hitter, which is probably a pretty big part to your lineup. Yeah. Uh, you know, No Utley has hurt them so bad, not just because they haven't had his bat, but because of where he hits. I mean, Ryan Howard had Jimmy Rollins, the leadoff hitter, for most of the year in front of him. And Ben Francisco or Raul Abanez, probably depending on, you know, was a righty or lefty that day, as his protection. He's still doing pretty well. So, I, I, I mean, you guys look at it as, because this team we know, the bats can go cold, and especially with this lineup, it's not 2008 anymore. Do you worry about that, or do you say, yeah, well, look what they've done without, you know, Utley and Ruiz being out. It's almost like getting trade deadline bonuses when they come back. What do you guys think? I'm not too worried about it. Go ahead, Ron. I'm not too worried about it. I think they'll be okay. They've come this far without it, and the, the good thing is they're getting it out of the way now. Um, hopefully July, August, you know, these guys will start to get back into the swing of things and, and things will get back to normal and it'll just, uh, it'll just strengthen things for the postseason run. Yeah. I mean, point. I think, 
I think it's fair to say that when Utley gets back, clearly with the needs going on, everything he's going to be some some adjustment. But I really think that's only going to be in the field. I mean, if you look at what he's been doing batting, he's been tearing it up. And even when he wasn't running, he was still taking batting practice. And this team's need, as you said, Micah and Ron, is on offense. So to get him back, I mean, you know, people underestimate it a little bit. It's like, like you said, Micah, that's like picking up Chase Utley at the, the trade deadline. Right. I mean, and, and my point in all this was, you know, while I sit here and I, I get concerned and, you know, I have friends that just break my balls, you know, ridiculously about this kind of stuff. They still won third game. Yeah. 24 and 12. I mean, especially from a team that never wins in April. They're a historically slow starting team. And areas that I thought were going to be a big problem haven't been so far. The bullpen, Ryan Madsen may have grown into becoming a closer. Um, I know they haven't faced the stiffest competition just yet, but I think, Elliot, you mentioned that there is no, you know, a bunch of stud teams, but there's no real bad teams other than a, a couple that aren't, very, you know, doing very well. There's not a lot of easy outs, easy sweeps. Right. Um, so for them to do this and still have getting guys back, and you look at the bullpen, so you say, all right, Madison's been good. They've lost two closers this year, and they still have a guy that might be better than the other two, Contreras and Lidge. Um, Herndon, I think they sent him down, thank God. Uh, that's just cruel and unusual punishment to have to watch him and Baez in any single game. <laughs> but overall, the bullpen's gotten done. They've been all right. And look at the bench. Guys like Pete Orr and Ross Glode. You know, Ross Glode, for, uh, for a while when he would come up, you know, you know, a year or so ago, I was just like, oh, God, kill me. He's pretty good. It's not easy to hit off the bench, and they have a decent bench. And their bench is definitely better than last year. I mean, you know, Micah, you mocked me at the beginning of the year. John Mayberry Jr., he's coming through. Did I rip you for that one? Well, I drafted my fantasy team. That might have been a little bit of a stretch, but still. You know, he's been, <laughs> <laughs> he's been good. He vindicated me day one, though, with that, that game-winning hit. So. He's yeah, been good. I mean, hey, credit where credit's due. <laughs> I mean, look at the team last year. Really, because that's what you're comparing the team to. You're not looking at, like, regular season. I know when we first got all four pitchers, people had dreams of 120 wins and stuff, but that's not, not what it's about. And you have to look at this team. In the playoff series, you talk about the bench. That's one thing that killed them last year against the Giants. Talk about the starting pitching, clearly improved. I mean, last year you put Joe Blanton up in a critical game four. This year you're talking about putting Cole Hamels up, who you could argue has been the second best pitcher on the team. So if those are two areas that hurt you the most last year, you know, I think you've definitely improved those. I agree. I think with the bench, uh, it was definitely an eyesore last year. And, you know, granted, we don't have the big names on the bench this year, but, you know, like you said, these guys are hitting, they're playing, and they're getting everyday experience. And it's just a trickle-down effect. It'll only benefit in the long run. I mean, they're getting legitimate in-game experience. And once the playoffs roll around, they'll be ready. That's a good point, too, when you think of the injuries, that it does give other guys a chance, you know, at least to swing the bat a little bit. And who knows, Mayberry, I mean, look, this team needs uh, corner outfield help. I'm sorry, Francisco is a bench guy. I love him off the bench. He's not an everyday guy. Uh, I know Brown's been doing pretty well in his rehab. or uh, Coming back off the DL, he's in AAA doing pretty well. How long before he gets another shot? I mean, Ibanez... Oh, boy. He can't get around on the ball, and he hasn't since the sports tourney in 09. Right. I mean, I think sometimes this team can fall victim a little bit 
to like the, being in Philadelphia. You know, we want to point to every position and we want an all-star. But the fact mm-hmm. is, you could point to any team in baseball and point holes out and say, what if, what if. But the right. fact is, they've won 24 of their first 36 games. And I think when you talk about all the mediocrity this year, sorry, mediocrity this year, I think a lot of team fan bases would take that. That was really the only stat that I was worried about. Just getting out of April with, you know, a winning record. And they've done more than that. Um, like you said, they notoriously, they're notoriously uh, poor in April. But to come out the way that they did, I'm, uh, I'm just pleased with that, considering everything that's going on. Because this thing really could have imploded and been an uphill climb. But thankfully for those four arms and even the bats showing up on some days, it's, uh, well, you're right. it could have been a lot worse. And I don't want to come off as being critical of them. I, I, get, I get critical of them because I think uh, this is not a regular season team. This is the Yankees now. This is I lived up in New York, uh, next to New York, for almost 10 years. And you listen, their mentality is completely different. All those years, I was like, man, my team could just get into the playoffs. That would be awesome. They don't care in New York. You win it all or you don't. And that's really something we should be excited about. That that's, that's where this team is now. And I've seen a lot of younger kids out at bars and stuff like that, and they're Phillies fans, and I'm thinking, you don't know what it was like. It Not was, at all. Ron, for years, and it's like I'm turning into that little spoiled brat now. I'm turning into the spoiled Yankee brat where I'm just expected to have a great team every year. It's not like that. This is a treat. And, I remember and, and getting excited over Danny Tartable. Danny Tartable. Remember they had Ron Gant, Greg Jeffries came through here. Remember when you know Ricky Batalico, Wayne Gomes was oh, supposed to be uh, <laughs> Wayne. Remember Pat Combs was, I mean, there was a time when yeah. Brandon Duckworth was untouchable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you guys, I don't know if you guys remember Tyler Green. Just these yep. guys never panned out. And did the Tyler Green throw a no hitter? Tyler, no, Tommy Green did. Tommy Green threw the no hitter. Okay. With seven walks. Tyler Green. I don't know why I remember that. Liriano. Tyler style. Green make an All Star team as a reserve. Tommy Green made the All Star. Was it in '93? He made it. One of those years, I know he did. I'm going to have to guess it was 93 just because that whole team was finally healthy and playing well. Yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. Do you guys remember the five starters in the 93 team? I was, I was five. So. <laughs> Come on, Holly Holly don't Green. do that. <laughs> I don't know. Mulholland, Green, Schilling, Danny Jackson, sure. and Ben Rivera was the fifth. And ben Rivera was funny. the fifth. Okay. I remember listening to WIP back then, and someone called up, and they were all getting on Ben Rivera, who was okay at best. And somebody eventually called in and said, "Hey, when was the last time we were complaining about the Phillies' fifth starter?" Yeah, really. <laughs> so true. <laughs> I mean, that was really that year was a, a highlight that kind of sat in between a long period of awful baseball, just yes. awful. Yes. You know, Tom Herr, Randy Reddy, you watching these guys? It's like this is terrible. You know, they were mathematically eliminated by, like, mid-May every year. So, (laughs) I do need to remember to take a step back and be like, you know what, this is, it's a treat. And Yeah, we better soak this in. Seriously, because, do you you guys think that the mentality in the front office has changed significantly? Yes. That we're not going to go back to those dark days? I I don't think, I don't think we can. I don't think the city will allow it. I mean, I think, like like you're saying, Micah, 
I mean, the mentality has changed, but a big part of that has been the ballpark. You get that ballpark, the revenue goes up, people want to go down there. I mean, the Phillies are a prime example. Any team, if I'm looking to build a ballpark for a team, I point to the Phillies because they, they can't go back now. Too many people go to the ballpark. They sell out every night. It's a party down there. I, I can't ever imagine it going back to those days with that ballpark. Do you know what they would do to that place <laughs> if it even attempted? If they even attempted to go back? Yeah. I mean, the, the, uh, all right, would people still go then? Let me ask you this. Is this town, because I'll tell you what, I went to the last Eagles game, uh, the 3-13 and game where they lost to the Giants. I mean, the 3-13 three, three and 13 season in 98. Uh, they lost to the Giants. They gave Irving Fryer the uh, Harley. People were still there. That team was dreadful. I mean, all-time painful to watch, dreadful. And people were still there. Do you think the Phillies have captured the town enough so that if they did lose Halliday and then these guys, and they only have maybe one or two good starters maybe, and they're kind of a packed team, people would still go? You better have I don't two, think... two more rings in the interim. <laughs> That'll help. You better win two. You better win two more. You need two more championships, and you better show signs that they're trying to rebuild. If there's going to be a draw spell. I mean, I, I think when you talk about the fan base, I don't think this town will ever be a baseball fan. I mean, a baseball town, but it can it can be a Phillies town when they're winning. I mean, if they're not doing well, I'll be interested to see how many of those 22 year old girls are going down to the stadium. You know, with their Philly shirts on, because you get out of the games anymore. That's really, I mean, the college, the parking lot's like a college frat party every night. And I'll be yeah, interested. I to see love it. it. You know, <laughs> I'll be interested to see if, you know, we get Brandon Duckworth back starting, if they're, they're, they're still deciding to go down there and, you know, chug a few beers. Yeah, it's, it's almost like all the uh, the college girls that got all excited about the Red Sox when they won in 2004. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm a big Red Sox fan. Like, oh, you're a Red Sox fan. Okay, uh, what kind of drugs was all Ken Boyd on? And tell me about Bill Parker. <laughs> <laughs> Huge fan. Well, we got to take a break. We'll come back here for our last segment. Elliot, can you stick around or you have to head out? I actually, I got to go, but uh, thanks right, for having me on. I really appreciate it. Good to hey, talk to you guys. thank you for joining us, buddy. This is me and Ron bringing you home on the other side on G-Cobb in the house on VoiceAmericaSports.com. Your internet flagship station for sports... America Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Do you feel the need for speed? Whatever your addiction, NASCAR, IndyCar, NHRA, Formula One, or even lawnmower racing, Pit Pass USA has got you covered. Larry Henry here, host of Pit Pass USA. I put my 30-plus years of being a motorsports broadcaster to work to bring you not only the best guests, but also the most interesting guests in racing. Pit Pass USA with Larry Henry. Your front row seat to the world of racing. Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Channel. Be there or get a DNF. Tired of the same mundane talk radio show, boring opinions, and people not knowing or telling the truth? 
Tune into The Sports Life with Josh and Otis. This show is brought to you by two men who know the good, the bad, and the ugly of professional sports. Josh and Otis's experience and careers in the NFL give them access to the inside information and a reason to have a candid opinion. Tune into the Voice America Sports Channel Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific. The Sports Life with Josh and Otis. It's more than sports talk. It's a way of life. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're joined up with G Cobb in the house, featuring Gary Cobb and co host Michael Warren. You want to get in on the conversation? Call in now. It's toll free 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to GaryCobb at AOL.com. Remember, two R's and two B's in that name. Now back to G Cobb in the house. We're back here on G Cobb in the house. I'm Michael Warren along with Ron Glover. And Ron. The Phillies have rung up a three spot in the first inning in Atlanta, um, and now they got a two-two count to Pete Orr with runners on first and second and only one out. Um, okay, he just made it out. But Brandon Beachy, we hear a lot about that great pitching. I don't know if we're going to include Brandon Beachy in there, at least not tonight. He's getting lit up. Well, who's on the hill? Well, who's on the hill for the Phillies uh, tonight? Cole. Cole. Okay. Yeah. Well, he's got a little cushion to work with, so hopefully he'll uh, he'll come out with some good stuff. Yeah, you know when you can come out uh, on the road and get a few in the first inning and let your starter relax a little bit. You take the mound with the lead right away. Yeah. Yeah, that's got to be nice. Now they're intentionally walking. Uh... Oh, Chooch is back. Ruiz playing tonight. That's good. Uh, that's good news. That's a pleasant surprise. I didn't think he would be back this soon. I didn't either. Did you see how thin they were getting? I mean, they're bringing out like Sardina. Like, you know, if this guy gets hurt, we'd be putting Pete Orr back there. Uh, you know, could use some catching help, but it's good to have him back there. And they're intentionally loading him up with him. But uh, for the last segment of the season, you know, we have to mention this because it was such a. Now we we talked about the Flyers a couple weeks ago and said, you know, if they go out in the first round, is this one of the biggest collapses in Philly history? Uh, and I really believe it would have been. They made it to the second round, so I'm not going to call this a huge collapse, but let's not sugarcoat it. It was a huge disappointment, and the Bruins. Thoroughly outclassed them in almost every way. Can you imagine if the Bruins get their power play together? They're a really good team. Tough. They're they're deep, and that first line, I think it was the Lucic line. If you're having problems handling one of their lines, maybe switch so that it's not a Zerdev line that you have on them. I mean, the guy can't play defense. I'm all right with him, but I just some some of the decisions that were made. Uh, goaltending obviously was a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what do you think if you had to blame one area? I think they thoroughly got outclassed, and I think you can point to a lot of things that they just didn't do right and didn't do well enough. And they blew a two zero lead in what game two or three? Yeah, uh, this team game just three. didn't have it, Ron. I mean, you can you could probably close your eyes and just pick a name out of a hat, and more than likely you can find some blame somewhere. Um. What I don't want to see the Flyers do is get rid of Laviolette. No, I agree. I, I think you need to stand pat because this is an organization that you know how you know how it is. You can look at Bill Barber. You can look at Ken Hitchcock. You know, as soon as something went wrong, 
you know, they were gone too often. And I think with LaViolette, you need to have him stick around. You learn from this. You definitely go out and get a goalie at all costs at this point. That's not a lobby, yeah. And, uh, you know, you go from there. And you have the pieces. That's evident. That's evident. Yeah, because they proved it for a long period of time that this group can play together and play very well. Now, I'm going to ask you something, too. Are we too hard on injured athletes? And I'll, I'll mention it because of this. Mike Richards was playing through a busted wrist, and he pretty much gave you nothing, especially in the Boston series. So they ripped him. They ripped him for his performance while playing through an injury. But you know if he didn't play, they would have called him soft for not playing through it. Right. These guys can't win sometimes. You agree? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, Perfect case in point is Elton Bryant. Uh, Broken left hand. Dislocated pinky on his shooting hand. Uh, Never complained about it. The only way you heard about it was because uh, he had to get some tests on it. He never said anything about it, but, um, you know, he came to play. And had he sat out because of the broken hand, always quitting on the team, we're paying him all this money, this is how he does this, you know, that whole thing. Yeah, they would have called him Matt Geiger. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think in a case like Richards, you can only tip your hat to the guy. And that's a physical sport. Yeah, I I think it's a little too brutal for 82 games. Yeah, I can't. I don't have any complaints about that. Not at all. None at all. Now, are you willing? Because I, I give Richards a little bit of pass there, because at least Richards. I mean, last year he was key to that run. I mean, some of the plays he was making, just total grit, blue collar plays. I'm all right with Richards. I have a beef with Jeff Carter. What has he done? Everyone says, "Well, you can't just take 35 goals out of your lineup." Watch me, because if you get a, if you can trade Carter for a better goalie. That's probably 35 more. You'll stop right there. It's done. And, and he gives you nothing in the playoffs, Ron. When, did he, when has he done anything in the playoffs? I'm at, the, at this point, I'm with you. I mean, if it's going to get me the goalie that I need to put us over the top, he's gone. And from what I'm understanding, they could have had Tim Thomas last year for Jeff Carter, and they said no. They could have. Well, because Tim Thomas, and again, I was all for it because I'm not a huge Carter fan, and I thought – I know Tim Thomas fell out of uh, favor. He got benched for Tuka Rask in the playoffs. But he right. was still a guy that had done it. I know $5 million is a lot. But Tim Thomas is better than – don't give me a, a young Russian kid that doesn't even speak English. He's not ready. No. And Shea, it's, it's admirable what he does at times, but he's a backup. Yeah. You don't, what, all right, here, here's a question. When was the last time you saw an NHL team – win the Stanley Cup, and their problems were goalie and power play? Uh, never. <laughs> never. And that's, that's what the holes were on this team. And, and that's power- sickening because this team has all the tools. You have all the tools. And it's just that guy in between the pipes. That's yeah. the one thing missing. Well... And it's, I know it's easy to say that we blame them, but it's easy to blame the goalie when there were, there were other problems. But when you're out there and you don't have confidence in your goalie, it changes everything about the, your whole mindset and the way you're playing. I mean, mm-hmm. when, when those little five-hole goals go in, look at the bench. What are their heads doing? 
Between their legs. The, the, the goaltending was so poor, it really was take the wind out of your sails. And I'm not giving the other people that didn't perform well an excuse. But it does change the mindset. I mean, the one good thing I think that came out, I don't see if you agree with this, is the emergence of JVR. Yes. I mean, yes. he looks like he can really play. Yeah. And he looked that way the year before last. I believe it was the year before last, and I said, you know what, this kid's coming into his own. And kind of tailed off a little bit, but he's um, Van Riemsdyk is ready. And if that's the case, Jeff Carter's definitely gone. That's my point. Everyone said, well, Carter, you know, he's, he's all these goals, blah, blah, blah. Well, if JBR steps up, and that's something he didn't have. I mean, toward the end of the season, he started playing like a man. I mean, he's yeah, a You give that dude the ice time, I think it'll pay off. I agree with that. I do agree with that. Now it looks like uh, Cole's getting knocked around a little bit. Oh, boy. He just gave up two singles to the first two guys. And our favorite, Chipper Jones, is now coming up, so we'll see what happens there. But, um, but yeah, I, you know, I tend to agree with you. I think at least getting a, a competent goaltender would solve a lot of that team's problems. Yeah. How many kids do you and think Chipper Jones has? How many kids? Yeah, you know, they say he's got kids all over the country. Does he really? Is he? I know one of them is named Shay. Yeah, they, said, the, they, they said that. Chipper's got some. He's been sewing. He's the uh, the Sean Kemp of uh, Major League Baseball. Yeah, he's the Sean Kemp. <laughs> That's too funny. They said well, Larry's been spreading it around. <laughs> we'll have to look that up for next week. Yeah, but, we'll uh, that's that our up. time for this week. I want to thank right. Ron Glover and I want to thank Elliot Shore Parks for hanging out with me this week. And uh, we will see you guys next week. This is G Cobb in the house on VoiceAmericaSports.com. Time to break the huddle. We'll be back again next Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern for another edition of G Cobb in the House with Gary Cobb and Micah Warren. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you again soon. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.